Hello, readers. I am Miss Mary, and I am here to read aloud a wonderful book. The title of this book is Pie by Sarah Weeks. If you are in third through eighth grade or an adult learning to read, I invite you to listen and read along as I read out loud to this wonderful mystery. The mystery begins with this question. Who would leave a world famous pie recipe to a cat? So this book is available at school libraries, public libraries, and each time I meet with you, I will read aloud different chapters. Okay, I love pie. And so when a student named Jesse introduced me to this book, I thought, oh, I can't resist. Plus, it's a mystery. So if you're interested in who done it, who did it, this is the book for you. Let's get started. Chapter one. Thank you very much. Alice was standing beside her bed when her Aunt Polly reached a trembling hand out from underneath the leopard print bedspread. Polly loved leopard print and she pulled the girl close to whisper in her ear, thank you very much. They would be the last words Polly Portman, the pie queen of Ip Ipswich, ever spoke. So we know now what happened to Polly. Well, we might not know what happened, but she just died. Polly Portman was a natural pie baker. When she was little, even her mud pies were a cut above what anyone else in the sandbox was doing. Recognizing her talent, Polly's mother, Hester Portman, brought her daughter a little wooden rolling pin, set her on a tall kitchen, red kitchen stool, and taught her how to roll out her first pie crust. As Polly grew, so did her pie making skills. She learned that scalding milk before adding eggs would ensure a custard as smooth as silk and that the whipped cream should be whisked just shy of the point where it would turn to butter. She became an expert at cutting narrow strips of pie dough and weaving them into lattice crusts. So that's the top of the crust, the pie crust. She's cutting them into swips, strips and weaving them and discovered that if she raised the oven rack just a notch when baking a meringue, the peaks would turn the color of toasted marshmallow. When Polly grew tired of the recipes in her mother's cookbooks, she began to make up recipes of her own, learning to trust her instincts and listen to the ingredients. She could pinch a blueberry, sniff a peach, or take a bite of an apple 
and know exactly how much sugar to use and whether grating a fresh nutmeg, a squirt of lemon juice, or a dash of salt would enhance the flavor of the fruit. Polly had a gift for baking pies and she poured her heart and soul into every one she made. Anyone who tasted her pies always said the same thing. You ought to open up your own shop, Polly. So when her parents passed away, that means they died, leaving everything they had to Polly and her younger sister, Ruth, Polly set aside half of her inheritance to live on. So that is money that her parents left her. And the other half she invested in a dilapidated old storefront on the corner of Wyndham and Main in downtown Ipswich, Pennsylvania. So dilapidated means that it's pretty run down. This storefront, this store, this little store is going to need a lot of work. Almost as handy with a hammer as she was with a rolling pin, Polly converted the upstairs into a cozy little apartment. Downstairs, she built the pie shop she had always dreamed of having. It wasn't much to look at, just a big room with a long wooden counter, a couple of tin pie safes, that's where you put the pie after it bakes, and a secondhand oven she picked up at an auction. But as far as Polly was concerned, the place was perfect. Being a humble person, she gave her pie shop a humble name, Pie. When Pie first opened its doors in 1941, Alice Anderson had not even been born yet. But people in Ipswich, Pennsylvania, loved to tell the story. So she heard it millions of times. The night before the opening, Polly was too excited to sleep. She gave up, got dressed, and went downstairs to the shop. While everyone else in town was snoring in bed, Polly tied on her favorite apron, leopard print, of course, and began to bake. By the time dawn spread its buttery light across the morning sky, so dawn is when the sun is coming up, and this is really good writing. Dawn, the sunlight, begins to spread its buttery light, it's the color of butter, across the morning sky. There was a row, a beautiful row of pies cooling on the counter and a crowd of people waiting outside to buy them. Polly had put a great deal of thought into the pies she made that morning. She wanted to make sure there was something for everyone. For the berry enthusiast, she made triple berry pies filled with a medley of ripe blackberries, raspberries, and blueberries. For the more adventurous, she created green tomato, and Concord grape pies. Of course, there were traditional pies like cherry, apple, and rhubarb with golden top crusts 
spread like quilts over the sweet, warm fillings and cream pies galore, chocolate, coconut, and banana. I know I would have visited this pie shop, Aunt Polly's Pie Shop in Ipswich, Pennsylvania. Polly even managed to come up with something for pie, the pie lover worried about an expanding waistline, a refreshingly tart, low-calorie buttermilk pie sprinkled with fresh nutmeg. The citizens of Ipwich had been sampling Polly Portman's pies at church picnics and 4-H fairs for years, so they were tickled pink when she had finally opened a shop on her own. Their delight, however, quickly turned to concern when they discovered that Polly wasn't planning to sell the pies she made in her shop. Hmm? She was planning to give them away. Why on earth would I charge people money for something that brings me so much pleasure? Polly asked Reverend Flowers when he stopped by the shop one day to pay her a visit. How else do you expect to stay in business, my dear? He responded, a touch of worry creasing his brow. You of all people should know the answer to that, Polly laughed. And then she handed the reverend a sour cherry pie, which she happened to know was his favorite. And she sent him on his way. At first, people couldn't decide what to do about Polly's pie shop. As much as they loved her pies, nobody was comfortable with the idea of getting one for free. So when no amount of coaxing that means convincing, could convince Polly to accept money for her pies, her friends and her neighbors came up with an idea for another way to pay Polly. Every morning when Polly came downstairs to the shop, she would find an assortment of fresh ingredients waiting for her on the doorstep. One day there might be a basket of lemons and three dozen eggs. The next day, a bushel of apples, a pot of fresh, fresh cream, and a giant sack of flour. Whatever people brought to her, Polly would put to good use. And in no time at all, every surface in the shop would be covered with delicious fruit pies, bursting at the seams with sweet juice, Delicate silk pies sprinkled with curls of milk chocolate. Chess pies with caramelized cornmeal tops and custard pies piled so high with whipped cream, it looked like they had snowdrifts sitting on them. Words of Polly Portman's remarkable pie shop spread when a reporter from the Ipsby News wrote an article about it. So this is a newspaper. The Associated Press picked up the story and pretty soon people from all over the country were flocking to the corner of Wyndham and Maine to experience pie for themselves. 
They came bearing raspberries from Oregon, sugarcane from Louisiana, pecans from Texas, and cherries from Michigan. Day after day, people flocked to the shop and whatever they brought with them, Polly would turn into pies. Alice came along in March of 1945. She was the apple of her Aunt Polly's eye. The apple of her eye means she was a favorite. Alice, little Alice was a favorite to her, her Aunt Polly. The two of them spent a great deal of time together at the pie shop. When Alice was a toddler, that means a small ba a baby about two or three, Polly would sit on her tall red stool, the very same stool Polly had sat on as a child, and gave and give Alice a lump of pie dough to play with while she baked. Later on, when Alice was old enough to help, Polly would give her little jobs to do, like crumbling the brown sugar for streusel or pulling the stems off cherries. Alice, the little girl, spent every Saturday at the pie shop. Aunt Polly taught her to weave a lattice, that means like a basket weave with dough, and how to crimp the edges of a crust by pinching the dough between her thumbs. Alice was happy to help, but she really was, she wasn't really interested in learning how to bake pies. She had not inherited, she had inherited neither her aunt's talent nor her passion for it. The reason she came to the pie shop was to be near Polly. And there was nothing she loved more than sitting on the tall red stool, watching the magic happen. Polly always began by making the crusts. She would mix up a big batch of dough before Alice even arrived. Then Alice, well, then while Alice cracked walnuts or hulled strawberries, that means take off that green cap from the strawberry, Polly would carefully roll out rounds of dough, folding each one over her forearm before gently transferring it into a tin pie plate. When she was finished, she would prick the bottom of the crust five times with a fork, then drop a handful of dried beans into half of them to keep the dough from cracking while they pre-baked for cream pies. And she set the rest of the crust aside to be filled with fruit or custard and baked later. Working side by side at the long wooden counter, time flew by for Alice and Aunt Polly. They never seemed to run out of things to talk about. The air was filled not only with the de delicious smell of baking pies, but with the sweet sound of laughter. Pie after pie after pie went into the oven and no sooner would Polly pulled them out, then a little silver bell over the door would jingle, merrily announcing the arrival of another hungry customer. Polly greeted each and every one of them with a sunny smile and a warm welcome. 
People love coming to pie, but to Alice, it was much more than just a pie shop. It was a home away from home, a safe place where she could truly be herself. I'll miss you, Aunt Polly, Alice would say at the end of a day when it was time for her to go. I'll miss you even more, Polly would tell her. Then she'd hand Alice a pie to bring home to her parents, kiss her on the forehead, and send her on her way. Switch, Pennsylvania is a small town. Always was. Always will be. In July of 1955, the population was 162. People who visited Ipswich often commented on what a happy place it was. Folks whistled when they walked down the street. Neighbors were downright neighborly and everyone seemed to be in a good mood. Well, almost everyone. Mama always favored Polly. Alice heard her mother complaining to her father one evening about a week or so before her Aunt Polly passed or died. Alice's father had snuck out onto the porch hoping to read his newspaper in peace, but her mother had followed him there. It was a warm night with the windows open. Alice couldn't help but overhear her parents' conversation. Now, Ruthie, Alice's father said, let's not open up that can of worms again. Well, it's true, George. All of that fuss over Polly's talent. I had talent too, you know. Of course you did, dear. But did Mama even notice? No, she was too busy falling all over Polly and those stupid pies of hers. Alice's father licked his lips. He had eaten a big slice of one of Polly's pies that very day. Chocolate cream. His favorite. The creamy filling was made from Dutch cocoa powder, eggs, sugar, and fresh whole milk stirred over a low flame until it thickened into a sweet, glossy brown pudding. Once it was cool, Polly, Polly spooned it into the baked crust and slathered the top with whipped cream sprinkled with curls of milk chocolate. Those pies are what keeping this roof over our head, he pointed out. You call this a roof? Alice's mother snorted. We could be living in a mansion if it weren't for Polly's selfishness. Keep your voice down, dear, her father said. You don't want Alice to hear. So we can tell that there is tension between Alice's mother and Aunt Polly. Alice's mother doesn't seem to really like her sister. Alice's mother's name is Ruthie. I don't care if she hears. She's got stars in her eyes, just like everyone else in this town. I'm tired of people acting like Polly Portman is some kind of saint. If you ask me, she's just plain selfish, not to mention crazy. Who in their right mind turns down the chance to be a millionaire? 
Alice heard the snap and rustle of her father's newspaper as he shook it open. He had been down this road before, and he knew there was no point in arguing. Ten minutes, Ruthie, that's all I'm asking for, he said. Mickey Mantle hit three runs against the Senators last night. At, le at least let me read the sports page. Go ahead and read your paper, George, said Alice's mother. But mark my words and mark them good. When old high and mighty Polly Porton men finally kicks the bucket, that means dies, she had better set things right with this family. Alice stopped listening at this point and plugged her ears. She knew that kicking the bucket meant what, what kicking the bucket meant, and she didn't want to think about what was happening. Aunt Polly was her rock, her favorite person in the world, the only one she felt she could really count on. Who can you really count on? Things between Alice and her mother had never been easy. No matter how hard Alice tried to please her, she always got the feeling that her mother was disappointed. And the only thing her father seemed to care about was being left alone to read his newspaper. Alice couldn't imagine what life would be like without her Aunt Polly. Little did she know how soon she would have to find out. Polly Portman single-handedly put Ipswich on the map because people from all over heard about these fabulous pies. They traveled to Ip Ipswich, Pennsylvania to get a pie. But remember, she doesn't charge them any money. So people coming from all over bring her ingredients for her pies. This is sad. Her untimely death came as a terrible shock, not only to Alice, but the whole town. People wept openly on the street. Wept means cried. A mountain of flowers collected on the doorstep of the pie shop. And the good citizens of Ipswich prepared to lay their beloved pie queen to rest. The night before her funeral, Alice cried herself to sleep. And as she tossed fitfully in her bed, she's rolling back and forth. She can't sleep. A big green Chevrolet car rolled down the dark streets of Ipswich, pausing on the corner of Wyndham and Main for a moment to idle outside of Polly Portman's famous pie shop. The leopard print curtains in the window were drawn, that means they were closed, and the sign on the door said, closed. Never again, the driver whispered. And the car pulled away from the curb and disappeared into the night. Who is in this big green Chevrolet car? Why would they pull up to the pie shop at night? And why would the driver whisper, never again?
on the next page, you'll find a recipe for coconut cream pie. So if you like to bake, ask your parents permission and, uh, or maybe you have another adult in your life, like a grandparent, and maybe you can make a coconut cream pie. But we're left with a cliffhanger here. Polly Portman's funeral will happen in chapter two. And this stranger, or maybe it's not a stranger, said never again. Perhaps it was because this person didn't want Polly Portman making these award-winning pies. What will happen with Alice? This was a place she went to every day. What will this do to her relationship with her parents? I am Miss Mary. Please go grab a copy of Pie by Sarah Weeks from the public library, and I'll be back again to read chapter two. Thank you, readers. Bye.